Welcome to Money Conversations with KJ. KJ is a lifelong entrepreneur who's made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, and found his way back again. If you're looking for a sterile how-to, you're in the wrong place. KJ and his guests will walk you through real-life situations told by the people who live them, and they are as messy as they are inspiring. Each episode will offer lessons learned, advice on how to replicate successes and avoid pitfalls, and a new perspective to power your financial literacy. Far from a one-size-fits-all, this podcast can help you build a roadmap to your personal promised land. Milk and honey for some, whiskey and steak for others, and remind you that you're not alone on this journey well hello everybody uh welcome back welcome back to the show money conversations with kj i'm your host kj today we have a uh a special uh friend of mine here that i've actually um known only about three years but uh mr melvin mcbean welcome to the show hey thanks for having me man no, my pleasure. I think you're, um, I know part of your story. I don't know all of your story, but I think as we dig in today, it's going to be real interesting. And I think we're going to have some good takeaways. And and I'm thinking from what I know, but again, I don't know everything. And, um, you know, what we're trying to do here is get people to maybe learn from your story, right? And we can put something together here. And so let's talk to the people. One, and I'm hopefully I'm not incorrect here, but where you were born and raised. Born and raised in uh, Guyana, so small country in South America, north of Brazil, uh, bordered by Venezuela and Suriname to east and west. How old? Uh, How old were you? I uh, migrated to the United States at age 13 to uh, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, My parents are also immigrants, obviously. And uh, that's where things, I would like to say, start to flourish. Okay. So listen, Brooklyn, New York, what year? Uh, that was 1993, Christmas Day, 1993. That was you my landed Christmas in Brooklyn. Present. Yep. And well, that must have been from where you came from, a little bit of a culture shock? Oh, yeah, big time, man. Uh, stepped off the plane. It was snowing. And uh, as we put it, you know, there's smoke coming out of my mouth when I was talking. Right, you know, right. But uh, that, was, that was it. Culture shock for sure. You know, it was about 30 degrees that day. Never forget it. Parents waiting. You know, it was heavenly. I bet it was. But I mean, man, I, I'm, t- I'm trying to decide which direction to go. Let's go with youth before 13. Right. All right. Um, and I don't want to get deep into why your parents made the decision to, to come here. It's probably like a lot opportunity and, and everything mm-hmm. else. Right. But let's talk about because I know where you're at now. So I want to just I'm going to give a quick brief where Melvin sits now. Melvin has become went to is in the um, Air Force and is a doctor. Is um so it's done very well for himself, but there was a journey to get here. So let's go before age 13, as you said, yeah. we'll just touch that base uh, real quickly here. So grew up in a three bedroom house, uh, parents, three other siblings, aunt, uncle, two cousins. Right. Right. So we're packed in there. That's sardines right there. And um, the aspirations for our family or our parents basically was to come to the promised land, right? Because that's where the streets are paved with gold <laughs> and opportunities are just endless in the United States. So uh, parents moved up here about three years before my sister and I joined them. So they brought one, my sister and my brother and I actually stayed behind. And then finally, at age 13, after finishing what we call high school over there, mm-hmm. believe it or not, you finish at about age 15. Wow. Um, we moved up to uh, New York and joined our parents there. And basically life for us, you know, as we know, it is going to get better. 
right. so to speak. That's that what you that think. was the perception. <laughs> that was the perception. Correct. Big time. So I want to talk about money because that's what we talk about here, right? We want to talk about money because you're at this point in your, in your life, you're, you're doing the right things. Um, you've got five kids and you're just really setting yourself up for a very nice, what I call fourth quarter of life. Right. Mm -hmm. But I would imagine when you were around five to seven, that wasn't even in your dreams. Oh, no, man. Uh, Not even in your dreams, probably. No, five to seven, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, common sports. So there's soccer and there's cricket and that's our big sports, you know. So that's all I care about was running around with my friends. You know, we every little sport we played, but in terms of aspirations, you know, we looked at what we had and it was so much better than 80 percent of the country. You wow. know, it's a third world country. So we were living the life still, but believe it or not, man, you sit back and you look at it now. It, it was definitely tough times. So there's going to be a different perspective here. Most of the people I talk to and I've talked to, well, I've talked to your wife and mm -hmm. she's from the UK and I've talked to a few people in other parts of the world. But um, as we're, as it goes with money and, and how we be, we become the people we are and, and treat money the way that we do. Right. And oftentimes more than not, unfortunately, people, don't treat money the way they're supposed to or handle their money the way they're supposed to. And why I have found in my travels talking with literally thousands of people that are nice, hardworking people across America that are from all over that at ages, mid forties on up, like, man, I'm a nice person. I work hard. I make decent money. Why don't I have any more? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and I, and I see, and I follow the story backwards. And so I'm trying to follow your story backwards. So let's talk about when you were in that five to seven, you were all about like most five mm -hmm. to seven, I want to go outside. I yeah. want to play with my friends and, and get in the sports and do all that. But obviously it takes money to live. I don't care where you live on this planet. It takes money. And so share with us about when you were in that young age, say five, seven, eight, nine, what did you, what was your mindset of money? What did you believe what money was and how did it come around and did well, you get any of it yeah <laughs> did i get any uh that's a big no right so in terms of getting any of it uh my parents man my mom was a nurse worked her tail off right so and i'm talking about 12 hour shifts primarily at nights because that paid more hmm. so she did primarily night shift uh, my dad was in the police force back then so what I saw was that I had hardworking parents, like really hardworking parents. But in my opinion, that was just barely getting by. Right. Later on, you sit back and you look at it, you realize, no, you were doing really well. But from what I saw, it was barely getting by. And why do I assume that? It's because, you know, if I asked for something, I didn't get what I want. I got what I needed. Right. And in my opinion, you know, getting what I want implies we're doing really well. So I, I love that term because I teach that the difference between wants and needs. Correct. And but from where you came from, that was a reality, right? Where today's kids in America, we'll call it, um, wants outweigh the needs, right? Correct. I forget that I need that. I, I'm going to get the want yeah. kind of thing. And so sounds to me, even at that early age, Again, mindset is a huge thing when we're trying to reshape our mindset around money and to do the right things. And, it, and often I know now I recognize that our mindsets are with money are set really early at these early ages. And so for you, as you say, hey, listen, I have hardworking parents with good jobs, right? Nurse cop uh, kind of thing. Um, your mindset was set was you were probably thinking or tell me if you were thinking, does hard work equate more money? 
Correct. And, and it, yeah. it doesn't seem like it did. <laughs> it, didn't, yeah. it didn't, right? So I'm looking at it in terms of, hey, you're saying you're working nights. Nights means double. It's basically time and a half is how it was explained. Right. Uh, so that implies more. Right. More means we spend more. I get what I want. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah. You found out later it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Let me ask, I'll, as I ask everybody. So you, you're growing up before you actually come to the States. Did your parents before the age of 13 then, did they ever sit you down and talk about money and how we use money? Um, the aspect of maybe growing money, saving money, making money. Did you have an actual sit down conversation? No, uh, not necessarily a sit down, formal anything. Right. Mm -hmm. It's more when I wasn't getting what I wanted, then an explanation would be given at that time. And it seemed like the same explanation, but it was, hey, one, my mom's favorite uh, line, money doesn't grow on trees. right? Right. So she would constantly say that. And she's like, we're saving for you to have a better life. So for me, a better life is today with those wants. Right. right? Uh, so that was the conversation. You know, we're saving for you guys to have a better life. That better life was an opportunity in the United States. But at the time, you didn't know, you, know, you, you didn't, didn't realize that, that. Yeah, you're exactly. too young to realize that. And, and but the but I'm going to bring up a point that was just recently brought up to me and the analogy that was used. And I just used this on the last podcast, but it's so good. I just want people to really soak this in, especially because you're a parent now, right? Mm-hmm. Is the analogy goes is this. So you tell your seven, eight, 10, 12 year old kid, hey, go clean your room and I'll be back in 30 minutes to check it. Right. Uh-huh. And your kid goes in the room. You come back 30 minutes later and the room's not clean. Yep. And you now as a parent, you're like a little pissed. You're like, yeah. what the heck? I asked you to please clean your room. You didn't clean your room. I'll be back in 30 more minutes. Have this room clean and you're going to be stern, blah, blah, blah. So I was talking to this person uh, a few weeks ago and he says, that was all good that my dad told me to clean my room. But the problem was he never told me how to clean my room. He didn't tell me your room clean means this and fully explain bed made this. Everything has a place. Put this here, this here, this here. You know what I mean? Because, you know, kids who clean their room, they just shove everything under the bed. They just shove it under the bed. Right. As long as it doesn't look like a tornado hit this place. And um, so I thought that analogy was great. So you just explain how they said we're saving for the future. And then they left it there. Correct. They didn't explain the future meant son. We're going to get out of here because not a lot of opportunities for you as you get older. Correct. If we go to the promised land, America, blah, 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 that you'll be able to do what you want. Right. And, right. But I think parents probably no fault to your to your parents is they just believe that the, oh my kid's too young to understand that. Correct. But that's wrong. Yeah. I found out that's wrong when I talk to so many people that are, you know, let's say 40 plus years old, like. Mm-hmm. I would be, you, it's developing the wrong mindset Got it. is what happens. And so the conversation is when is too early to have a conversation about money with your children? What do you think? Oh man. And in my opinion, I would almost say 10, right? Because I feel like my 10 year old, well now 11, yep. um, can grasp certain things. Now the seven year old, I mean, he is just living for his iPad at this moment. And in my opinion, you know, having a conversation with him about financial stability and things like that, um, I don't know if that registers. 
Now, I will say this. We don't give kids enough credit, right? Because uh, being in the military, we move a lot. So that's a conversation I have with my boys. And they understand quite more than I anticipate when I'm planning in my head how I'm going to have this conversation to tell them they may not see me because I'm going here. Right. And then you have the conversation and they surprise me every single time. So it's funny that you say that because maybe I should try that, right? Because they understand everything else. So why not try that so, conversation? So through conversation, here's what I found out. That one, if we don't sit down with them at an early age, and I've got a friend of mine who's doing really, really well. He's very, how should I say? He's very self-disciplined. Okay. Um, and he's got young, two young girls, and he started teaching them the stock market at five years old. Wow. They literally, by age seven, could trade the stock market. They fully wow. understand the puts and everything, right? And I, at first I thought... Wow. He's like, Kev, you don't understand. In their bedrooms, there's not posters of a Kardashian or, yeah. you know, SpongeBob <laughs> or whatever. There's literally charts hanging in their rooms. I go, get out of here. And he's like, no, that's that's what there's. They love to study it now. And I said, this kid will definitely be financially independent early. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. So my point is that is it too early? He started him at five. Um, I, You hear the phrase, let kids be kids. Right. But here's the thing that I also found out is they're watching us. And you heard the oh, term, yeah. the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Right. Oh, yeah. So if you're a saver, whether you're not, you taught your child to be a saver, they're probably going to be a saver. Be a saver if yeah. you're a spender, guess what? Yeah. So I think it's important that we talk to them. And it's one of the reasons when I sit down and talk to people and maybe they aren't where they wish they would be at that point in time or have no clue how to get there. One mom and dad didn't teach them. Correct. Which I say, mom, parents can't teach what parents don't know. That's not good or bad. That's just what it is. is yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and that's why it's so important to be proactive about learning this stuff. And I think the best thing we can do with kids, the earlier, the better. Oh, if, yeah. if you're, if your seven year old understood that the iPad was 500 bucks and what, yeah. what the average person has to do to make $500. Yeah. Right. That perspective, that mindset that you will get at seven years old will will be different as you get to be 10 and 12 and 15 and at 20 kind of thing. Right. Rather than just. Yeah. Yeah. My parents gave me everything. I don't know what you're talking about money. I just get it. Right. Kind of thing. (laughs) So for you, though. So because this is about you um, at at 13, you recognize you were leaving what you called home. Yep. Coming to America and you had the mindset because mom and dad told you we're going to a better place. Correct. What did you think? What were you expecting? Oh, man. So obviously, you know what you see on TV, but everything has been. And so backtrack real quickly here. So there was about a three year period where my parents were already here and we were back in Guyana. Right. So once a year or so they would visit and anyone coming from the United States to visit. I mean, the clothes, the food, the money they brought, you know, life was so much better. So coming here, I don't expect to see poverty at all. Right. This place is the place. And you went to Brooklyn. Yeah. And then, you know, you get dropped smack in the middle of Brooklyn, this homelessness and uh, run down homes. And, you know, you're just kind of looking around lost like what this, this place have suffering just like anywhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. But you later come to find out that. Uh, work habits is going to play a key factor in that. And it doesn't matter what country you're in. Mm. It's just work ethics, how you're going to get down there, discipline, self-discipline. 
So, yeah. So going from it was definitely a culture shock in terms of expectations. I didn't expect to see, you know, you know, there's different economical status, right? Right. Uh, Social status. But to just witness that like that, you know, it was very interesting. It was a culture shock. Yeah. Big time. So how did you because you were just mentioning in the beginning how where you grew up, you finished high school at 15, roughly, yeah. right? Yeah. And you were 13. And here, you yeah. don't finish high school till roughly 18. Correct. So did you have to come here? You obviously have to fit in this system. Absolutely. And they said, no, no, at your age, you're in this grade. Correct. And, and you're probably like, I already did that grade. Correct. Right. Yep. They're like, Throwing well, whatever, go do it again. The, uh, go do it again. Grade. Yep. Yeah. Like, go. here you go, do it again. Yeah. And uh, needless to say, uh, the education system in Guyana is based on the British system. So we were uh, governed and ruled by the British and then finally gained our independence. So coming over here, certain words like color and furniture and things like that are spelled differently. Mm. But um, we're really strong on math. So when I was thrown into the 10th grade, every single subject except for U.S. history, I was an ace. So I literally ran straight A's through the 10th, 11th and half of the 12th grade because the remaining half, I just kind of BS my way through. But which, but that I'm sure helped you tremendously when oh, you yeah. got out. Did oh, you, yeah. did you go to college? Oh no. So the, the college story came about this way. So I, uh, I was playing high school football, got hurt and aspirations were to go play college football. Right. So that's what everyone wants to do is be an athlete. Um, so got injured and really didn't see much of the scouts or didn't get much of the attention anymore. And I decided, you know what, man, I, um, I'm kind of bored. And I don't want to do what the majority of my friends in Brooklyn were doing and were just standing around on the street corner and so on. I've never been the type to go with peer pressure. I try to do my own thing and see what comes of it, you know. So I did some research about the military, joined the Air Force, and they've paid for every ounce of schooling I've received. That was one of the probably the best decision you made in your life so far. Absolutely. Hands down. Hands down. Yeah. Especially coming from where you came from, right? Once you did your research and you're like, mm-hmm. let me get this straight. They pay for this and th- they they pay yep. for pretty much everything. Yep. Zero. School and then when I, and then when I finish, I get money too. Correct. Right. So that's kind of a no brainer. Right. And, and you've done phenomenally well in it, um, which is awesome. And, and we all appreciate everything that you've done even in the service. You're not out there with a gun fighting people. Correct. You're the opposite. You're like, let me fix the people fix that are them. broken. Yep. So let's go back to before you made that decision and you were, how old do you think when you made that decision? Uh, 17, 17. Oh, yep. At what point you came to America at 13, let's say a couple of years in, where was your mindset with money, mom and dad now, are they making more money? Did they start to talk to you about money? Hey, listen, there's checking accounts, there's credit cards, there's all this stuff. And did they sit you down? Did you have to figure it out? No, actually, it was kind of figuring it out as you go. You know, that that same conversation I had when I was a youngster in Guyana, we kind of sort of had um, in the U.S. because coming up here, realizing now that my parents are now on the bottom third in terms of uh, financial status. Right. And uh, our culture, the environment that we grew up in, in, in uh, Brooklyn, New York, basically it was based on what you wore, you know, what you have. It was about clothes. It was about fashion and so on. So culturally, um, it wasn't about saving, you know, so to find parents that basically didn't give you everything or buy you the fancy Jordans and so on was really tough because my friends, they were getting it, you know, 
And my brother and I, I remember we would just be like, hey, you know, we want these new Jordans. And my mom's like, no, you're going to get these $50 pair of shoes. And instead we would say, okay, how about you don't buy me some shoes. You save the 50 bucks. I'm due for shoes in three months. So in three months, I get another 50 bucks. So now I have a hundred bucks and I can go towards my Jordans. Okay. If that's the choice you want, you know, so that was a, so did you go like make money and make up the difference and make yeah, money and get so the things, things that like you that. wanted? You know, I shovel snow, okay. uh, shovel driveways, clean cars out of uh snow, uh, blizzards, right. You know, you get a 20 bucks to clean a car out, you know, you get 30 to 40 bucks to do a driveway. If you bring your buddy with you, you know, you still got the same amount, but the work's done twice as you fast get twice and, as much work, yeah. and you just kind of move through. So those were our little side hustles, I call them. Then I uh, I bagged groceries in like the little grocery store. And, uh, you know, you'll get a little five or ten dollars for bagging groceries. So your your mindset as you were going older is, listen, I got to do whatever I got to do to get yeah. the things that Cor- I want. Correct. Absolutely. To get the things that Absolutely. I want. Was it not until you joined the, the Air Force till you realized about saving money, investing money? Yeah. So believe it or not, man, it took about 10 years in the Air Force before I started worrying about saving money. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I, uh, when I joined the Air Force, it was finally independence in my mind, right? So now I could go get that car because I have a paycheck. Then I could buy whatever Jordans or whatever clothes I wanted because I have a paycheck. But what it quickly created was the bank that I was with, they pushed overdraft, right? So it was, it was, Great thing for a young military personnel. It says overdraft protection, 500 bucks, right? So each time that your account is negative and you take out from that overdraft, we would charge you 20 bucks, right? So I would have a balance of $10 in there and I've got a week to payday. But, you know, there's something I saw at the store that I want to go get and that's about 120. So then I would take $140 out. I'm paying interest of 20. Tomorrow, I say, heck it, I need a gas. I go take 20 out. I'm paying another 20 on that. Eventually, about six months in, I just started taking the whole 500 out to take that one time $20 fee and just hang on to it. You know, But, but that was basically my process until I got into a serious relationship and cared more about things. So about 10 years in before I started that. It, it's interesting because it's whether you're, you know, you did that. That mindset and that um, the way you handled money is the same whether you're in the service or not. not. Correct. In the 20s, like you said, it probably around 30, you started figuring out, well, yeah. I can't keep doing this. Right. Um, and so I just want people who are listening to be like, you know, that's not it's, they're going to go. Well, I was in the service, but I did that, too. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because you can. And, and then even if you didn't have overdraft, a lot of people, we've all heard the term, you know, bouncing checks, and payday loans, and, payday and, loans yeah. and all yeah. these things where if you were taught early how to manage your money correctly, you wouldn't be in those situations, right? Correct. Hence the whole reason I talk about money and financial literacy at a young age is most important. Mm-hmm. Although I talked to very, a lot of people that are 20, I mean, from, from 18 to, I mean, I've talked to 75 year olds. So, mm-hmm. um, learning that, what do you think you would tell today's Melvin, mm-hmm. the day you joined the air force, what would be the advice around money? So we're talking about like you're looking back, looking back and talking, talking to the 17, 18 year old Melvin who Uh, just joined the Air Force and you're going to give him some money lessons. Oh, man. First things first, get a savings account. Right. So I never had a savings account for the first 
I want to say seven, eight years in, it was just a checking account. Mm. Uh, so get a savings uh, savings account. Make sure you dedicate a withdrawal to that savings auto, you know, let it be auto uh, deposited into yeah. that auto draft, whatever uh, term to get it into that savings account. That's one. Two, live within your means, live within your means. Um, and that that means a lot. So examples, I went out and bought certain cars, you know, I bought a car because it looked good. N- no idea about the insurance. Right. So do the research and find out what the insurance is, uh, because then when I finally got the insurance bill that was hurting, you know, financially, like, oh, man, I thought the car payment was 500 bucks. So the insurance is now seven. Well, I only budgeted for five. Right. So that hurt the overdraft yep. frequent. So it would be that, you know, savings account, live within your means would be the two things I would. Now, I didn't expand on it. Right. So now 17 year old Melvin hears that. And it's like, what do you mean live within my means? Okay. So, so you just described budgeting. Uh-huh. Is what you just described, right? right? Which is really, really important. And I find that unfortunately, a lot of single people don't budget that much because my check's coming in, whatever you're making, and I want X, Y, Z, and I'm saving enough to pay my bills and then go buy it, buy your wants, right? Yeah. Versus when you get married, start having kids, budgeting becomes a lot tighter and you actually create a budget. But you're here to say you would have told your 17 year old self, budget. Absolutely. Budget. Absolutely, man. Budget. You know, uh, I sat and said, you know, until I have a kid, I have no responsibilities. So I just spent everything that I had. I know. Right. And so many people that age do that. And it's so to come back to bite you in the butt later in life because, oh, heck, yeah, you have responsibilities. You have your own personal, which is the biggest responsibility. Right. Um, It's kind of like when you were on airplanes and they give you the quick lowdown on, you know, if if the mask come down, who do you put the mask on first? Right. You or your child. Exactly. And what do they tell you? Yourself. Right. Because you're no good to your child. If you if you're getting, yeah. if you're knocked out, and you don't have oxygen. Right. Yeah, so we are the most important people. We have to take care of ourselves and our finances personally first. And then. Yeah. Right. Everything else is secondary versus the mindset of the average 17, 18 year old is, you know, I don't need to worry about that right now. Correct. Which, which is not right. And so when we want to talk, you know, and give lessons to the people out there listening is. Yeah. At 17, you think, you know, I got plenty of time. Everything's good. I'm not going to worry about it right now. But everybody I've talked to who is whatever over 40 and I go, hey, what do you tell your 18 to 20 year old self? (laughs) It's the same story, right? Um, Because, you know, we've written that book. We know the outcome and tell yourself that it's hard to tell a 17 year old what to do with money. Oh, yeah, man. Dude, you're living the dream, you know? Yeah, you're just like, like, I I got my whole life to make money. Why can't I just go blow this check right now? (laughs) And if they truly understand compounding and compound interest and how it works, they would understand like, no, 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 no. I need, I need to budget and put money to work so I can really have the finer things in life later. Yep. Right. Because at 17, yeah, yeah. You got 70 years to go. Right. Uh, And time's on your side and you can grow money. Correct. At 40 or 50, whatever, you're like, holy crap, I'm more than yeah. halfway home already and I haven't done anything. Yeah. And that's the problem that I come across. And that's what my, uh, my passion to help people financially understand where you're at. And my program is about building a roadmap, your own personal roadmap, mm-hmm. right? Wherever you are, whatever age. So we talked about your mindset early because of where you were raised and how you saw mom and dad working hard. Um, so that was all tradition, right? Correct. And your parents are no different than parents all over this planet, most Correct. likely, where mm-hmm. 
most of our parents never sat us down and gave us a detailed talk about money and how to respect it, earn it, save it, invest it, mainly because they didn't know how. Correct. Mainly, mainly. Let's fast forward and I'm going to assume that you weren't goal oriented until you got into the military. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And then right. and then in the military, what kind of lessons did the military teach you that you look looking back now going, man, I'm glad that they taught me this, this or this, whether it's with money or your time? Yeah, uh, big. So military is always known for discipline. Right. So yeah. and that, you know, everyone assumes discipline means in terms of respecting a rank or something along those lines that can go into the smallest thing that you do. You know, I like the golf that plays a role in that there's discipline there, you know? So the discipline part and self-control. So every store that I walk into, you know, that sale item is not for me. Right. You know, so that's self-control, self-discipline. So that was a key factor there that I, um, I discovered that the military helped with. The other thing is we moved so often being in the military, or we still do. Um, it shows you that, you know, what's important at this location here in Las Vegas, for example, is not as important elsewhere. So I, for example, I would use this in a car. I was in Alaska and everyone purchased the big four wheel drive trucks, insane, you know, but that's what everyone wanted, right? Because right. that's what the, that's the area, the is. terrain, the terrain Correct. calls for that type of vehicle. However, I had a Honda Accord and I did better than half the trucks because they spun out and they you were from wheel drive. Yeah. And I just kind of survived. But then you leave Alaska and you make your way to San Antonio, Texas with that truck. And now you have a $1,200 truck payment that is pointless in Texas because Texas only sells a two wheel drive truck. So you have this extra asset that's pointless. Right. So what the military proved to me is you, you know, or showed me is you get what's basic and what gets you from point A to point B and so on. And understand that what's important at this location may not be the same. So therefore stay in the middle of the road and just, you know, get by, get by, essentially get by. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I guess um, the term that comes to mind, you know, when when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Correct. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so obviously in Alaska, you would think that you need those big four wheel drive trucks to get around. But Correct. you you understood otherwise. Correct. You know, yeah. you I mean, you obviously were going hunting out in the deep woods in a Honda right. Accord. Now, but for the residents of Alaska, like you live there, live there truly, you know, that may be necessary. Right. Right. Because uh, of the things you do. But with us, we're there for three years, man. Yeah. You know, and you're making these investments that what you think is an investment that is just going to cost you. Because at the end of the road, when people are leaving, if they chose not to take it, they sold it. Uh But the locals always waited. They waited. They they know you're in a crunch. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you end up up taking a loss or breaking. Yeah, you definitely take a hit. You take a hit. So when I remember when I when I was. had your wife on Adelaide and she had mentioned to me and let's see if this is with you because you're both in the air force that, Mm -hmm. um, the air force actually had her take or gave her financial classes. Do you remember taking those? They offered them. Okay. (laughs) They offered, I thought she told me that it was like mandatory. Like, yeah, they, they made you go to these, these classes because they didn't want, they didn't want, um, I guess in the military, it doesn't look good. If you're in the military and you file bankruptcy, like 
You're being very irresponsible. Yeah. So there were these budgeting classes that are offered. Right. And uh, we have this we call it the Family Readiness Center. You just go in and you there's a financial counselor there for you. And this person looks at your stuff, says you can afford this. You should not get a car greater than 300 a month and so on, blah, blah, blah. You know, for me, when when those and it was always offered, I just didn't take it. You know, early Mm -hmm. on, I was like, you know, I don't need it. Right. That's for people planning with their families and so on. I don't need them to tell me how to spend, you know. So she probably, you know, she's a little bit more responsible. So she probably did the right thing. I did take those classes later on in my career, but. Not uh, not early. On. Not early. No, absolutely not. I thought that was really, and I had no clue that, um, and I'm sure all the branches do it, but I thought that was really cool because whether you were in school from where you were raised to to the school years that you spent here, do you remember? And I know they just don't teach financial literacy in school, right? You're either learning, you're either learning it from mom or dad, correct? aunts, uncles, maybe you get a mentor along the way, or you have to be very proactive to learn about it. Right. So in your, in your life here, you had to be proactive. Correct. Right. And you just mentioned how like early in the career, like I don't need that right now because you're just solo guy. Yep. Just living the dream. And then, you know, you had kids and a wife and you're like, I got to learn this stuff now. But looking back, do you regret that? You know, I'm not going to say regret, you know, because that implies that I would change the way my life is today. Right. Right. I wish I knew better. Mm. Let's put it that way. Uh, I wish I knew better. Uh, There are some choices or decisions that I made that I would have easily passed on, you know, that was unnecessary. And that's just splurging, you know. So I won't call it regret. Because regret, like I said, implies I would change the way yeah, my your, life. Your is. outcome would change, but yeah. sometimes the outcome would be for the better, right? Um, but I mean, you're doing fantastic. Mm-hmm. I just want to give a lesson out there to the folks that are listening, and they're and they're maybe at a crossroads right Correct. now, okay. right? And maybe they're 22 years old or something, and and their mindset is, I don't need to worry about that right now. You like I'm listening to this guy, and yeah. he didn't he didn't really start doing it until he was 30. I'm 22, 24. I got time. No. That time comes quickly. It comes real quick. Yeah, real quick. So what I would say to someone, you know, like my age joining the military or someone in their early 20s, um, needs versus wants. Mm. Okay. Needs versus wants. If I had to do things again, what I would do is my needs obviously are your needs. My wants would probably come less frequent, meaning a Christmas gift to myself or a birthday gift to myself, but not a weekly gift to myself or every paycheck gift to myself, which is what occurred. Mm. You know, I started collecting shoes and buy, you know, those are the things. So needs versus wants sit down and truly identify, is this going to make or break me in terms of a want versus a need? And you'll find out that a lot of things that you think you, you actually need, you don't, you don't, you know what? I'm glad you, and that's one of the lessons I teach in the course. Um, because it's most people, your wants way outweigh your needs, right? I mean, we need food, shelter, clothing. Correct. Okay. That's what That's we it. need. Yep. Food, shelter, clothing. And depending where you live, whether you need a vehicle or not, because a lot of people in certain cities don't need a vehicle, right? Just do the public transportation because it's cheaper, actually. Okay. So anyway, um, I remember I'll tell the story that my, my youngest, 
who I taught all these lessons when she was around 15 until she left the house at 20. And, and then I had her on the podcast and she, and I didn't even know this until she tells me on the podcast, she goes, yeah, no, I remember that lesson, dad. And she goes, no, it still sticks with me. She goes, you know, I'm out at the store and I'll see this new makeup that I want or whatever. And, and I hear you in my head. I hear my dad in my head going, do you need it? Or do you want it? Do you need it? Do you want it? And then she'll, she'll correct herself. She'll be like, I don't need it. And then she doesn't buy it. Right. Yeah. And, and, but she sits financially today so far ahead of her peers because she recognizes that. And sometimes when you're standing in front of this item or whatever, or, or going to want to go somewhere Mm -hmm. and you got to mean, you're going to make a decision. Correct. Right. Um, and the decision is, you know, yes or no on this want or, or need. And, yeah, when you said earlier about discipline, this is where you discipline yourself yes. with the wants and needs. And you look back now, and as a lot of folks that I talk to are like, yeah, it would be way different because let's just hypothetical numbers. In a year's time, I spent $5,000 on wants. Correct. Right? If I would have took that 5000 or even half of that 5000 2500 and I would have put that in a working vehicle, a money working vehicle, mm-hmm. right? Uh, an IRA or an index fund or something of that nature. And now when you're 30, 35, 40, what that could have grown to, oh, wow. yeah. right? So I'm glad that you brought up the wants and needs because it's, it's huge. It's huge. Oh, yeah. it, and the, the, the older you get, the more you get it, you understand it. Correct. I think it's just at that uh, ages, you know, 15 to 25, let's just say on yeah. average, there are some responsible 20 year olds. Um, they, they just think That's that okay. they're invincible and and there's plenty of time to go. Correct. So let's, let's move on to talk to me about how old you think you were when your mindset decided, Hey, you're making, cause you in the military, the longer you're in it, the more money you make. That is true. Right. And okay. so at what point in the military and you're making money and you're like, you, you've satisfied the, the mindset of wants and needs and you're like, I got to start investing. I would say probably 12 years in, 12 you know, years where, in. I, where I started looking and saying, all right, um, what can I do with this excess? You know, I have extra cash. I'm paid, you know, payday comes in and you don't know it's payday. You know, it's just like, oh, what's today? Oh, it's the 15th. Oh, man. I remember coworkers saying, there's like, oh, you must have that much money that you don't know it's payday. Right. You know, so at that point, uh, my wife at the time, you know, we were looking at it and we say, you know, we need to do something with this. So we did a Roth and then we started um, going out and doing these investment, you know, partnering with people and doing these pyramid scheme things that, you know, generated some sort of cash flow. But, you know, Probably, like I said, 12, 12 years in. Okay. Did, did any, do you remember anyone coming to you at an early age and talking about investing and you're like, yeah, yeah, no. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what do you think the the mindset is of a 20 year old when you say, Hey, what are you doing to invest your money? Well, the mindset is, I'll tell you clear as day is you're taking money out of my pocket to put it somewhere that I won't see it Ah. and I can't touch it. So that's the mindset, because that I remember the Air Force offering, you know, they did say, hey, you guys could do this by putting this much into this account. However, you won't see it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I need to still have access to it. Right. So and it, it's minimal. It was about maybe 50. I think it was 50 a paycheck. It was like 100 a month, so yeah. 1200 a year um, that 
still, you know, 50 bucks, man, that I wasn't willing to part with early on in my career. Dude, 1200 a year compounding over a 15 year period yeah. could grow to be six figures. Correct. You know what I mean? <laughs> so this the tiny little bit. Oh, yeah. And this is, again, when, when I teach, I teach a lot of lessons and the one lesson I, if, if, if the people that I teach things take the biggest takeaway, I really want them to understand is the value of time and compounding. Correct. And that when you are 20, whatever, young that like you 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 don't even realize how you need to take advantage of this and so yeah. you just now you know looking back like man i wouldn't have missed that 50 a paycheck sure not at all been. that was like a lunch <laughs> or something you know what i mean yeah um, but today would you'd be sitting on a six figure whatever going yeah. like damn yeah. all i did was save 50, 50 bucks a bucks. check yeah that was not that big a deal you know what yeah. i mean and so that compounding lesson of you guys out there really really mm-hmm. understanding it um Albert Einstein has a saying about it, right? One, he one he says, Albert, Albert Einstein says, uh, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, right? Because wow. he was a mathematician. Yeah, yeah. And he says, people who earn it, or people who understand it, earn it. People who don't, pay it. Gotcha. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, it's that important to really understand the rule of 72, which is compounding, compound interest, um, that I, I hope when I teach people everything that I can teach them that like learn that the value of time, because that's our most valuable asset. Absolutely. We're only on this planet so long and nobody knows their last day. Sure don't. Yeah. You don't want to know your last day, but nobody knows it. Right. So interesting. Interesting. So. Right. You and I've talked about and I've helped you with investing and stuff. And I know that we recently started talking about asset protection, protecting the assets that you have. Yep. And and the things that you need to do there. Do you I I think my next question is so. the, The question I ask a lot of folks is that when their parents, you know, didn't teach what they, you know, you're hoping they could teach you because parents want to teach everything that they can to their kids so they can, you know, we always say, Hey, I want your life to be a great life or better than mine mine. type of thing. Um, And so since some parents don't actually do that, then a lot of folks will go and they'll somewhere in their, in their travels in life, they'll get a mentor. Correct. Seems to me like the military would be your, would have been your mentor or did you actually have a mentor? So I actually had a mentor in the military. Okay. Um, You know, so started out not to be financially based. It was basically uh, career based. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I saw him. He was a guy that was making his way through the ranks pretty quickly. Uh, he cared a lot about the folks that worked for him. So I kind of, you know, kind of attached myself to that person and self-appointed him my uh, mentor. And in doing that, I realized that this guy is like making and saving money because he would do public speaking. He would, you know, go out and uh, play sports. He was refing games, you know, and I was like, man, but he drove this beat up Toyota. Uh, was it a RAV4? Something along the lines. Right. And I was just like, man, I know he's making more than that. And I drive a better car than he did. And I was three ranks lower than he was. Right. You know, so in sitting down with him and never really asking the questions, he just kind of threw it out there. He's like, look, bro. You need to start doing this. You need to start making smart decisions, both career wise and financial wise, you know, family, everything there. So that that basically changed a lot of my uh, mindset towards. You said something there that's really interesting and probably it went right by most people really fast when you were yeah. here and Melvin described it, which is. 
you know, there are people that have mentors and how we get our mentors are different mm-hmm. ways. And you said you you self-appointed him yeah. as your mentor. And I've talked about mentorship a lot with people and it's OK. You should people should feel flattered if someone comes to you and says, hey, man, yeah. do you mind? And you start asking questions and be like a mentor like to me. Mm-hmm. And believe me. For you, because a lot of people are, are are thinking like that would be overstepping boundaries, or in some places it could be considered rude. Mm-hmm. Like, don't talk yeah. to me about you know these personal things or whatever. Um, but I could tell you, it's you share if it was an invaluable time having that gentleman mentor you, correct? Right. That I want people out there to understand. It doesn't matter what age you are. To get a mentor, understand there are people on this planet that are hugely successful that pay to have mentors, Mentors. right? And I can tell you, uh, big CEOs of Fortune 500 companies have mentors. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, athletes, Tiger Woods Mm -hmm. has an athletic mentor, right? Michael Jordan had one. I mean, it's not, and I think when I talk to some of the young folks, like, Oh, a mentor, somebody to tell me what, what to, to do, do yeah. kind of thing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You know, if if you weren't fortunate enough to live in an environment where someone helped set you down and teach you all these fundamentals of life that you could collapse time of the downturns. Correct. Type of thing. Right. And that's what mentors are for. Yeah. And most mentors aren't there to scold you ever. Yeah. They're not scolding. They're like, yeah. I'm sharing some good information. It's yeah. your decision to take it yeah. and, and apply or not apply this stuff that I'm showing, sharing with you. Right. Absolutely. Um, Cause I, I actually, now I, I, I mentor my barber. He's a yeah. young 30 year old yeah. uh, Latino guy. And, and I talked to him about it and he asked me, he goes, can you be my mentor? I said, I'll mentor you for a while. Sure. Yeah. No problem. You know, um, because I think it's really important that um, if, if you're, if you're out there and you're listening and you're like, I don't have anybody to talk to a mentor yeah. someone to talk to, because Correct. again, your mentor is like what you described. It didn't start out financially and a mentor can talk to you, should be able to talk to you about anything yeah. and everything. Yeah. And if you're not an expert in whatever, and you're mentoring someone, you just got to be open about it. Correct. That's not my expertise. Right. And maybe they can but steer can, you yeah. because generally speaking, a mentor is someone that's maybe 10 plus years older than you. Mm-hmm. Not always, Correct. but generally. Yeah. And For me, my whole life is the more I can learn from other people's travels, uh, successes and failures. So I don't have to, you know, have my failures because I said, well, he did that. So I'm not going to do that because I don't want that same result kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So that was pretty good then. And and how long? And do you still have that mentor? You still Still keep him? Still have him. Uh, I still have him. Actually, you met him the other day for his uh, retirement. That's why I did that golf tournament. Oh, Right. Right. You did. You did introduce me to him. Yeah. So still have him. And to this day, you know, our relationship's great. And, you know, this guy blossomed to be the head guy in the Air Force, you know, so it's a good mentor to have. Has anybody reached out to you in terms of uh, mentorship? Absolutely. So I've had people reach out in the sense of uh, the path I took to become an orthopedic surgery PA. Right. So I've mentored people in that light. Uh, I also have a staff of about 35 people now. So occasionally I have onesie twosies that'll come over and say, hey, man, I need to talk to you about decisions and how you make these decisions and why you do these things. You know, so every opportunity now I get, I insert the financial aspect of things. You know, 
you know, thanks to you, I'm now doing rental properties. So now I insert that in the conversations with people. You know, I said, hey, look, you know, save your money, have a plan in the future. You know, rich folks hide their money in real estate. Right. Right. So do that. Um, own nothing, control everything. You yeah. know, <laughs> so little opportunities, things I, you know, get from you that I just spread out there. And like you said, I put it down. If someone picks it up, great. If they don't, that's fine as well. You know, so, yeah. You know, advice is funny because, like you said, you can lay it out there and some people just aren't ready. Correct. Absolutely. They're just not ready. And I'm okay with that. You know, if they're not, if they are great and they'll ask questions. So, no, very interesting. Awesome analogy. I didn't know you were from that small country. I thought you were from Brooklyn. Yeah, man. Well, you know, so... I will say probably 10% of the people that I speak to and they say, where are you from? I can hear something in your voice, like a little accent there. And then I tell them 10% may know where that is. But, you know, I say, yeah, man, it's a the Jim Jones story. And then everyone's like, ah, uh-huh. that's the place, you know? So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's my life right there, man. Interesting. Wow. Melvin, that was that was awesome. I think some good takeaways today, guys, is um, I love the mentorship takeaway. If you can or can't be a, a mentor, the wants and needs. So huge. So huge out there for everybody. I don't care how what your age is out there. Get yourself in check with wants and needs. You will watch your money multiply like by 10. Absolutely. It, it, it will happen. So I want to thank you for coming out. Appreciate it. Man. Sharing your story. I know there's some people out there that are, whether or not they're in the in the service or not, but had some good takeaways from it um, from your early age on forward. So, guys, remember, uh, my podcast comes out, new one, every Wednesday, 7 a.m. You'll get a new one. Uh, Melvin here will be out in a few weeks. And if you're watching on YouTube, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, and um, I'll have more great stories with some more awesome guests. So uh, until next week. Again, Melvin, thanks for coming out, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, Really enjoyed making all these episodes for you. Remember, we're just having uh, conversations with people's journey with money and the things they did right with it, the things they did wrong with it, and uh, how how did they really come about getting their mindset with money. So uh, every episode's different. We all have a good takeaway from them. So do me a favor. Hit the like button, smash the like button, and subscribe to my channel because every episode that I do is going to be different as all our journeys are different. So you guys take care and uh, we'll talk to you next week.